Hi, I'm Tiffany, and I help singers give their best performances and auditions inside my online community, the Star Singer Green Room. On this podcast, we are going to talk all about singing. We have guest artists, tips and tricks, and I am so excited that you're here. Now, before we get this episode started, if you are a singer who wants to captivate and connect with your audience and give your best performances and auditions, I have a free training for you, and you can get it at starsinger.co slash free training. So on today's episode, we are talking piano for singers, more specifically jazz piano for singers. I started piano when I was pretty young, but that was because... So here's the thing. I wanted to be a choir teacher. I don't know if I've told you this or not, but I wanted to be a high school choir teacher. And I grew up in a small town, and my high school choir teacher was amazing at the piano. She directed choir, and she managed the classroom, and she would play the piano for our performances while conducting us from the piano. So it was crazy, right? But this is what I like grew up with, and this is what I knew until college. And so I thought, well, oh my gosh, in order to be able to do this, I'm going to have to learn how to play piano well, you know. So I started taking piano lessons, and thank goodness I did, but I realized that I didn't actually have to do that. Like, if you want to be a choir director, there are, there are piano players who can come in and play for you for concerts and all kinds of things. Like, you don't have to do it all yourself, which is a good lesson in itself. But I'm so happy and thankful that I did learn the piano because it allows me to help and support singers in the studio, inside the green room. It's a tool. It's how I think about music theory, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today in this episode. I mean, to me, the piano is almost like the hammer of music. I know that's like a really weird analogy, but when you think of tools, like one of the first tools that you think of is a hammer. Super important, right? So I feel like the piano can really bring everything together. And learning more about it is just going to be so, so helpful to you. And I also use the piano to whenever I do my own gigs or um, my gigs are usually more like I usually do more of weddings, like cocktail hours or ceremony stuff or funerals or church things. So that's what my gigs usually look like. And being able to play the piano for me is so awesome because it seriously cuts down on my rehearsal time, and I usually get paid more for it, too. Like, for example, if I'm playing a church gig and they're looking for a piano player and a singer, well, I can do both. And so I don't have to get together to rehearse with the accompanist or collaborator. Uh, I can just practice on my own, show up, have an amazing time, and get paid. So the piano is super cool, and I found our guest today, Steve Nixon, a couple of years ago. Um, I first heard him on a podcast, and then I checked out his website. My training is much more classical, and I have a very, I started out with a very, very, very small fundamental knowledge of jazz. For singers, I mean, I know a lot of jazz standards and songs, 
and how to use my voice within jazz and the format, but I didn't know a lot about the music theory, and I wanted my piano for gigs that were more jazz-oriented. Because I love singing in the jazz style. My voice lends itself really well to that style. So I needed to find a way to help me to be able to make my piano playing sound a bit more jazzy, if that makes sense. So when I heard about Steve, I went to check out his website, freejazzlessons.com, and I was amazed. I know about music theory. Like, I graduated with two Bachelor of Musics, one in music education and one in vocal performance, and I'm good at music theory, but I had never had anyone explain jazz theory to me so simply as Steve. So I think you're really going to enjoy it today. Because Steve Nixon is a world-touring jazz and blues pianist and the proud owner of FreeJazzLessons.com. His performance credits include such greats as four-time Grammy Award winner Buddy Guy, two-time Grammy Award winner Coco Taylor, Blues Music Hall of Fame member and Grammy nominee Lonnie Brooks. I mean, crazy. I'm just looking at this list and there's all of these amazing musicians on it. Nixon is also an accomplished keyboard session musician and has worked for Rax Tracks, Chicago Recording Company, Super Buddha Studios. He's toured the world, performing in South America, Europe, and the Caribbean, and all over the United States. And he's a graduate of Berklee College of Music. And I think you are going to enjoy our conversation so much. And hopefully, if you're thinking about piano or you're thinking about jazz piano and adding it as a tool in your toolkit for singers, that this sheds a little bit more light on it and it helps you to make that decision and see if it's the right fit for you. So I hope that you enjoy our conversation. All right, I'm here with Steve Nixon at freejazzlessons.com. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. And I'm so excited that he's here today with you guys. And could you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey, and how you help singers and musicians play the piano better? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been a musician for most of my life and I uh, was a professional musician. I actually still am a professional musician for uh, 17 years now and played full time for 14 Um did a ton of touring for many years and I had a little bit of a break on the road. And, uh, you know, this is very early on around 2011 or so. And so, you know, and I'm going to throw together a couple of YouTube videos. I'm working on some jazz stuff, some licks and some chords and things like that. And, um, threw it up on a website, threw it up on YouTube and, um, fast forward eight or nine years later. And it's, Free Jazz Lessons is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, jazz piano education websites in the world. So that's my background. Um, you know, performer, degree in music, although degree doesn't necessarily necessarily mean that you're a great player or anything like that, but I, I did happen to get a degree. And uh, piano, uh, as we were talking about pre-interview, um, on my resume um, in, in big 20-point font is piano player and in about two-point font is singer. Right, I do a little tiny bit of singing, so I will uh, try to translate the message of, of piano and overall music theory and, and performance to uh, the singer audience here in Connect. 
Awesome. Yeah, this is very exciting. So, so what is something I feel that like piano is, as I'm sure you do, because it's your thing, is it's a super versatile instrument. You can do pretty much anything with it. And I think it's really awesome to, as a singer, we were talking about this before the interview started, a lot of people don't really think about how they're going to perform. You know, you want to perform and you do it and then you sing and you figure, oh, I might have a piano player playing for me. I might have a band playing for me, but that's like not the real world. Like sometimes you don't get that behind you. And so singers, it's a great skill for singers to just be able to play the piano. And some people are really overwhelmed with that. They don't know where to start. You know, should they get a teacher? You know, what should they do? Do they have to learn how to read music? I mean, I think reading music is so great and being able to do it is awesome. But when it comes to piano and especially jazz piano, we can get a lot done with using our brains and collections of chords in like lead sheets, right? So could you tell us a little bit about that and your thoughts there? Yeah, absolutely. So for singers, learning piano has so many benefits, you know, whether it be helping your intonation, you know, I don't know if anybody's listening right now ever is saying a wrong note or, or just been a little flat or a little sharp, otherwise known as probably everybody while they're getting their singing chops together, right? Well, you know, piano, as long as it's in tune, and especially if you're playing with a keyboard, that's where the pitch is perfectly. So it can help you center your, your concept of pitch. It can help you with your directionality of where you want to go with your lines, right? Um, you know, music is, you know, two of the most fundamental things in music are melody, right? And harmony. And on piano, you can play chords that help your melodies sink inside the, um, you know, the sound that you're going for, right? So they're very related. Um, from a performance standpoint, since this is something that you mentioned, um, you know, if you ever want to play a gig by yourself and there are no backing tracks, you don't want to do that. You're not comfortable with backing tracks, right? Well, you know, having a, a means of being able to accompany yourself, whether that be piano or guitar is super important, right? So a lot of freedom in that, in that ability to be able to just go out and take your music anywhere you want with just, you know, a piano or a guitar and, and your voice. I mean, it's endless, all the opportunities you have, right? Um, the other interesting thing about that is, you know, one of the, things that sometimes singers get nervous about. And there's, there's a little bit of truth to this as well is that, you know, if you can't really communicate with the band, if you're just sort of a separate entity, well, I'm the singer and I don't really know anything about music, you know, in the rehearsal, right. There's this sort of disconnect that can happen between you and the other musicians you're playing with. Right. So if you, you don't have to necessarily be a virtuosic piano player, but if you can communicate, at least understand that instrument, be able to communicate with the band and explain things and, and, and speak in the way that we speak, how we're thinking about music, it creates this really beautiful connection as well. One more thing, just off the top of my head, because, you know, when I started, I was just, you know, a solo, solo guy, you know, full-time musician, just worried about kind of myself. And of course, you know, I'd play with other instruments as well, but, you know, I didn't necessarily have to manage other people. Um, with free jazz lessons, um, you know, I've sort of, indirectly become a business owner as well. We have a very large staff of people who work with us and our team. So I've had to learn a lot about myself and also managing other people and leadership and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, if you're someone who doesn't love the 
the, the leadership and the management aspect of dealing with tons of other people. And, you know, you just don't even want to deal with it. And you think, you know, musicians are flakes. I don't want to deal with their garbage, which maybe, you know, <laughs> that's another story for another time. But, um, you know, there's a lot of power in being able to just say, you know what, I'm going to do the gig by myself. And I know it's going to sound great. I don't have to worry about the drummer showing up late. I don't have to worry about the guitar player who's got an ego, the bass player who, um, forgets his shoes on the way to his gig, <laughs> whatever the story is, you know? So there's a lot of power in being essentially a one man band or one woman band. Yeah. So, okay. So many good things uh, to speak to the power in the one woman or one man band. A lot of people, I mean, once you feel more confident, you go in there, you know exactly what to expect because it was just you and you at your rehearsal. So you're like, I know I can nail this. Like, you feel like you have more control over the situation, which is going to make you totally more confident. And I love what you said about, because a lot of people are concerned about their pitch. A lot of people think that it's representative of, you know, how they are as a musician, but it's like, well, isn't it worse if you couldn't identify that you were a little bit mm, off? Yeah. So, so true. Yep. I love the fact that you brought up that there's melody and there's harmony. And for a lot of singers, you know, when we're working together in the studio, when you add a context to it, like that chord, you can see where you fit in and it's a lot easier to be com more comfortable matching pitch. So I think for a lot of people, that context is huge. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you, for the people out there who, who read music or if you don't read music, you know, I'll, I'll explain it in a way that really everybody can understand. You know, when you look at most melodies, and uh, you know, our, our favorite melodies, mostly what's going on is the notes that are the main notes that, the, that like melodies resolve to, right? Are usually inside a chord, right? So if we have a, a C chord and we have a melody that's in the key of C, you know, a lot of times the main notes of the melody will eventually end up on either a C, an E, or a G, and those are just the main notes of a C chord, right? And, you know, it doesn't mean that there isn't other notes in there as well, but it sort of comes back to that home base. And so when you can see that and hear that and feel that and be able to practice with that type of school, you know, it, it just opens up infinite possibilities with your music. Yeah, definitely. So this may be a loaded question, but... I love loaded questions. <laughs> Give it to me. What is the easiest way to begin to start to play piano? Right. Well, you know, it's, it's, it, it's funny you said a loaded question. I mean, really in any skill, we're always looking for the, like, how do I trim the fat, right? Like what's, what, how can I get started? So I'm not yeah. wasting my time. Right. Honestly, I would get, do one of two things. Okay. Um, and it's funny that I'm saying this cause I'm, I'm known for my YouTube channel and I've got millions of views and things like that. Right. And that's a great way to just kind of get started and watch and see what's going on. Um, just see if you're interested in that, you know, like watch some videos and find some personalities that you really connect with. And if you continually find that interesting, then what you want to do is you want to either get a teacher or buy a really, really, really good course. Okay. Um, a lot of people aren't disciplined enough to teach themselves through a course. So just start from a teacher in the very beginning, and then you can get, you know, a course because a lot of, for some people, especially more advanced musicians, you know, courses can be sort of a, um, a way to sort of deepen your skills once those fundamentals are there. But, you know, with a great teacher, you can, um, you know, you can answer it's it, you know, like 
things that have been plaguing you for five years, a great teacher can answer that question in a lesson or two, sometimes even in an hour. Yeah. Awesome. And I love the idea of, you know, trying to learn as much as you can about your, about, about the piano and about like what you're trying to learn and then bring your questions. So many people think that the lesson is a practice session and you're just going to waste your time. If you do that, like you need to be practicing on your own, discovering on your own and then bring the questions that you have. So I love that you said that when you're looking for a teacher, do you have any recommendations? Because it might be tricky because you do have to have, you know, a basic foundation of like notes and rhythms and that kind of thing, but you don't necessarily need to like get to Faber and Faber 3B before you can start playing pop music. You know what I mean? So what are some ways that you could like communicate that to your piano teacher or like kind of feel out if they're right for you or if they're going to really be open to what you want to do or if they kind of want to be like, you have to follow this because to some extent we're right. You have, you do have to follow a certain, you get to a certain level before you do it, but you don't have to like take piano for a year before you can start playing things that you like. Very true. Very true. Okay. So, you know, for a lot of people listening to this, if they've ever um, been, you know, hired for a job before, or they've ever, um, you know, hired someone else, it's, it's actually very similar in the way that, okay, well, you know, if I wanted to um, hire a, a chef for myself, right. Or let's use a different one. Let's use, uh, let's use, physical trainer. Right. And I said, all right, well, I want to get in shape to run a marathon. Right. So I say, okay, well, you know, there's a lot of trainers out there, but who has successfully trained someone before to run a marathon? That's first of all. And second of all, have they ran a marathon themselves? Okay. Now to bring that back into music, when I'm looking for a teacher, I want to find somebody who's done exactly what I want to do. So they're not just speaking from some ivory tower. They're actually have had success in the music industry. Um, there's a lot of teachers out there who really have not performed before. Um, maybe a small degree in college or a little bit here and there, but you know, I always look for whenever I'm hiring a coach and I'm a really, really big fan of paying for mentorship and coaching and stuff that I do it everywhere in my life. Right. I want to first start with who has done what I want to do and will they teach me? So that's the first starting point, right? The second starting point is, okay, well, once I found that person, you know, I don't want to basically kick the can and should I, should I not do it? You know, like you can test out an instructor and it's not going to kill you to try a lesson or two with a few different teachers and you'll see who connects with you spiritually, right? Who seems like you guys see, you know, eye to eye, uh, who seems really encouraging, right? Who do I like in terms of the way that they explain things? Um, you know, who's holding me accountable for my weaknesses. You know, there's certain personality traits that we all sort of get along with, right? And then lastly, um, you want to find somebody who's got a game plan, you know, somebody who actually knows how to teach and isn't just um, kind of winging it when you show up to the lesson. I've had a lot of teachers like that, phenomenal players, but they're, you know, not necessarily the greatest communicators or they haven't really sat down and break down a method or a system of how they were successful, right? So those are the three things, um, you know, first and foremost, have they done it, right? Do I connect with them? And do they have a clear plan and system to be able to explain it? Armed with those three things, like you're rock solid. It's a kill way to get started. Awesome. Yeah, I love it. Um, before you were talking a little bit about 
how playing the piano would help you to better communicate with a with a band or with yeah your band or the people who you're playing with singers are stereotypically known as you know divas or we have um stereotypes like we're bad at rhythm you know that kind of thing all things that i'm trying to like no 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 but it can potentially be true well because a singer does have to be a leader like you have to lead with your voice and show people like how fast you want to go you know that you have this under control if you have a fermata like please breathe so that everyone can know when we're gonna go but what are some ways that you find that piano is really helpful to effectively communicate what you want to do, especially in a situation like jazz where it can be more free, you know, like you take a solo, okay, we're going to tag here now, okay, we're going to repeat that. How can we better communicate using our piano skills? Yeah, great question. So, you know, let's talk 30,000 foot view and then we'll get all the way down to the weeds and the trenches, okay? So first of all, you know, there's obviously technical elements of music, but on the highest level, what we're doing is we're, we're connecting spiritually with either ourselves, you know, higher purpose and audience, right? We're, we're creating art through our music, right? We're, we're, we're creating something larger than ourselves, right? And that's the ultimate goal of what we're trying to go for. This like amazing, beautiful, like je ne sais quoi connection that, that's hard to actually define. Just this beautiful, you know, piece of art, right? Now, that being said, if we go, you know, from 30,000 foot to 10,000 foot, right, a little, little lower now, right, we need tools, we need skills to be able to communicate that, right, to be able to get out our heart and soul, right? And so now going a little further down here now, 5,000 feet. So what are those tools, right? Well, there's things like melody, harmony, rhythm. Uh, phrasing, right? If, if, we're, if we're a singer, there's lyrics, you know, we have all these different disposable, um, you know, or tools that are, that are at our disposal, so to speak, right? Actually not disposable, but at our disposal, right? So, you know, if you boil music down to its core elements, and again, just not worry about the, 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 the highest essence of the art of, of connection, but, you know, we have things like specific rhythms, and notes and chords and music theory, right? And these are just the tools we use to build our masterpiece, right? So as piano players and as musicians, we, you know, we know what an eighth note is. You know, it's breaking, breaking a beat into two places, right? We know what our chords are. We know good chord progressions that sound really good and are common in, you know, pop songs or jazz songs, right? We, need, we can think of music as patterns, right? So as a singer, if you know, hey, this is in 4-4 four, four time, right? You know, I know some, for some listeners, they'll be like, well, you know, Steve, what the heck is 4-4 four, four time, right? It's just a time signature, the way that the, you know, number of beats that are happening in a measure of music, right? Um, for some people, they'll say, oh, that's, that's super easy. But being able to communicate rhythmically with the band and understand what's going on, right, is really important, right? Um, if your ear can't hear everything and some people struggle a little bit with with their ear it's not they don't have a perfect ear yet right well knowing that hey you know what i'm an eighth note late okay the beat was supposed to come in on two but i'm coming in on the end of two okay cool i know actually what's going on so i can fix that right or if you want the band to come in on three and um you know you don't know how to explain that right that that's a challenging thing right 
So these aren't like difficult things to understand, right? These are things that everybody can learn. There's no like real talent in, in the technical skills of being able to explain rhythm and things like that, right? Um, understanding chord progressions, as I mentioned earlier, you know, understanding that like, okay, well, if I have this really sweet sounding melody that I just wrote and I'm trying to come up with a chord progression and either for myself or explain it to other musicians, right? Being able to say, hey, you know what? I don't want a one, four, five chord progression. One, four, five is the most common chord progression in the history of the world. <laughs> I want it to be a little bit more jazz sounding. And in jazz, we use a two, five, one chord progression. You know, little things like this, right? Being able to um, just communicate your ideas more effectively. And I could go on for an hour talking about this, but, you know, just, just having those tools, the vocabulary, be able to express yourself and let your true music come out from yourself, you know, all the way from the trenches, the, the technical tools, all the way to really just unlocking that freedom from your voice and from the music. Yeah, well, definitely. Well, singing, unless it's done in a choir, is melody-based. So being able to figure out what's around you and how you can communicate that. Yeah, and rhythm. Oh, God forbid we have to come in on the end of two, but it happens. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, it, you know, it's funny that um, you mentioned something earlier, you know, some of my favorite musicians, and I'm using that word very specifically. I'm not saying the word singer, okay? Musicians hmm. are vocalists, right? Um, somebody like uh, Etta James, right? Michael Jackson, um, people like James Brown, Okay. Ella Fitzgerald, right? They have killer, killer. Mel Torme, he's another person, right? Killer, killer rhythmic concept, right? I've actually learned a lot. Uh, Chet Baker, another person, right? I've learned a lot about my own piano playing from listening to singers and hearing how they approach different stuff like that, right? So, you know, at the highest levels, it's so important. Yeah, I love it. So what kind of Oh, yeah. And as a, I mean, as a piano player, you know, you can figure out if you're accompanying your own voice, you can, you know, have a little bit more freedom because you were mentioning, you know, before, if you're not going to do it with a backing track, well, a backing track is restrictive because you have to follow it. You know, when you're playing for yourself and you're accompanying yourself, you can take more time to breathe and you can figure out where you're going to land. And what are some, as a piano player, like if you are accompanying a singer, what are some things that really make it a pleasure to perform with a certain singer? Like, what are some things that you look at that you're like, wow, they're a great musician. I love how they did this. They're making it so easy for me. What are some of those characteristics? Yeah, great question. So first and foremost, um, rhythm. I'm, I'm a rhythm freak. You know, all, all the students we work with in our programs, um, they know that like Steve is like all about the rhythm. And that's one of the starting points from what we're, we're training when working with, with uh, students. with Right. So, you know, when I work with with a singer and they've got killer time, whew, man, it that you talk about pleasure. Right. It's just all of a sudden we're, we're coming from the same standpoint. It's like getting together with like a, with like a great best friend and you guys have that uh that sort of shared experience and you guys have that same weird weird mindset on things and brain and goofiness or whatever right that connection so when somebody has great rhythm there's that instant connection there um phrasing is really important as well right the 
the way that they come in, in and out of their phrases, their cutoffs, right? Um, the way that they connect with the audience is actually really, really important as well. Because, you know, I, I've done a lot of gigs over the years and, I'm, and I want to connect with the audience too as a piano player. And, you know, stage presence is, is really important, right? Especially when you start playing on bigger stages, right? But, you know, the singer is oftentimes considered the front person, right? And so they're sort of like representing the whole ensemble, right? So you want to know that the singer has that as well. Um, great pitch is also really, really, really important, right? You know, I've worked really, really hard in terms of getting my notes executed, you know, on, on the piano. And I realize that I can't play out of tune on the piano, but it's still the same type of concept of knowing when to play the notes at the right time, right? So singers put time into their pitch and really thought about the message that they want to do as well, right? Those are pleasures. Um, on a business standpoint, you know, singers are really famous for getting gigs. They're like great at getting gigs. Not the only instrument that are great at getting gigs, but like for whatever reason, like singers are just like, I don't know, y'all are special when it comes to that. So it's always nice to, to find a singer who's like serious about the business of, of getting out and, you know, being able to, to not only get paid for playing in front of people, but also just bringing that message out as well. It makes my life a heck of a lot easier. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I love it. It's great. And like you were mentioning, you know, the rhythm, I mean, you could, so many people are just so pitch centered. And I mean, it is important, but it's not going to derail the entire ensemble if one note is off. But if you come in wrong, like that's a problem. Like we can't, we cannot continue. The rhythm will get so derailed. So I love that you mentioned focusing on the rhythm because you're right. It's a collective group effort and the group effort can continue if the rhythm is solid. It, um, it can't continue if it isn't. Whereas if the pitch is a little bit off, we're not gonna we're not gonna derail the train or anything like that. So, but yeah, yeah, great point. Definitely, I love it. So before you mentioned a little bit about tools, and you were talking about chords versus licks, and I have heard of guitar players practicing licks. Well, what first of all, what's the difference between a chord and a lick for you and for the listeners, and why do you feel that the licks are so important and what makes them special and how can, how can we apply them to other things? Yeah. So, you know, chords are a collection of notes together. It's like a harmony, right? So um, licks can involve chords. Let me define what licks are for people who, who may not know what that is. Licks are really just, you know, in classical music, they use the term motive or motif, right? It's just sort of a, it's a phrase of music. It's a short little melodic idea, right? That, that comes together. Um, and one of the famous parts of, of licks is a lot of times people say, well, you know, how's that lick go? You know, or what's the main lick for that song, right? It's just sort of a, it's a, like a hooky little idea, right? Now as musicians, we will practice licks because it's something to sort of say, um, here we go. I'll give you a perfect example, right? Um, if you ever meet a new person or you run out of things to talk about with somebody, you know, a lot of times people will talk about sort of the safe subjects. Okay. The weather, <laughs> um, they'll talk about sports. If, if you're into sports, right. Um, maybe if you're a little risky, you'll talk about politics, right. It's usually not necessarily the safest thing to talk about with somebody, you know, if you don't know them. Right. But there's, there's sort of like safe subjects that you can talk about. Right. And so licks are some of those vocabulary things that we have in our 
in our everyday speaking, that's what we, what we have for music is like, hey, here's a lick I would use over a minor chord, or here's a blues lick I would use over this particular area of a blues, right? So that's one way of communicating. Now, on a much higher level, um, licks are also a gateway or a modeling tool to create tons and tons and tons of your own ideas, right? Actually created a whole program after this particular concept called the Jazz Masters Method. So a really well-constructed melodic little gem or, or lick, right? contains all this sort of source DNA of musical information. Okay, cool. Well, this particular lick features the this particular type of scale over these beats. Okay, cool. Well, let me see if I can create some more of my own licks that feature this particular type of scale. Okay, cool. So that's one way I could use a lick as source material, right? Um, and just as a quick aside here, you know, um, when we're talking about licks, you know, singers have licks as well, right? Um, I don't know if any of your listeners like Mariah Carey or Christina Aguilera, right? Or Jennifer Hudson, you know, all these people have riffs and licks. Those are, by the way, those are synonyms for each other, riffs and licks, right? Have these little sort of ornamentation things they do to, to make a song sound more interesting to decorate the melody, little melodic stuff, right? So those are you know, singers are doing riffs and licks all the time as well, right? But okay, cool. Well, so we had this scale that's part of this lick, right? So let me come up with 10 of my own licks that feature this scale. Okay. Again, all we started with is lick source material there, right? All right. Well, this is very interesting. They're using this particular type of rhythm here. I like the phrasing of that lick, right? Okay, cool. Well, let me come up with 10 more of my own licks using this particular type of phrasing. Right. And you can really just break down each little musical component of a, of a really beautiful lick the way that, you know, that you love the way it sounds and come up with all kinds of your own materials to do that. Right. So at the highest levels, you know, one lick is like 10,000 licks. Right. And that's actually what we did with the Jazz Masters Method is we took these really classic famous licks from players like Chick Corea, uh, Diana Krall, Herbie Hancock. Oscar Peterson, um, you know, just these classic Bill Evans, these, these classic musicians, right? We took their great licks and we said, okay, here's how we take this one little lick here and turn it into a hundred of your own new ideas, right? So um, some, some people, I don't know if you've ever heard musicians say like, oh, I'm not a lick player. Well, okay, cool. That's because what basically what they're saying is like, I don't play the same idea every single time, hundred percent of the time. Right. But for me, a, a lick is infinite possibilities if it's studied the right way. Cool. And so you're using this for inspiration, for ideas, for when, you know, it's your time to improv for composition. All of these things are, you're using all of them for a, throughout a lick. Okay, yes. Cool. Yes. Everything you just said. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's infinite possibilities. You know, there's so many cool things you can do it. It's almost like a, um, you ever seen the, um, the, uh, the wooden Russian dolls that like you, that you <laughs> exactly. You take it, you take off that, the, 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 the top part of it and there's a, the same doll there, but it's smaller and you take off the head and it's smaller and smaller. Right. So, you know, licks are, uh, um, licks are very similar to that you know like there's these little gems that can open up like huge compositions for you as well yeah cool and so why jazz for you why the jazz style and what are some 
unique opportunities that can present themselves for singers who choose to sing in the jazz style and maybe accompany themselves, you know, with standards, all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. Okay. I love that question. So on the highest level of jazz is freedom for me. Right. And I think that's what I've always sought in, in my music is this sense of freedom and expression. Right. And so one of the cool things about jazz is there's, it's really a style that's based off of improvisation, right. And it's based off of creativity and, and being in the moment. And that's sort of my personality, you know, it, it, I have this side of my personality that's super disciplined and um, it's not afraid to put in a lot of time in the practice room. You know, like when I, when I was at the Berkeley college of music in Boston, I, I practiced like 10 hours a day for years, for years. Like I have that, I have that side. I also have the side that like, will like randomly go to, to Nashville because I feel like it or New Orleans and just like take off and go for 10 days, you know? They so, fight each other like yeah. that. You're creative and disciplined. They're like, exactly. they're, they're pretty good friends at this point, but for a lot of years, they probably fought each other, right? But that freedom, you know, that's the creativity and the exciting part of stuff, right? I've always loved the sound of jazz too, that, that, that deep, rich harmony. And jazz is a rhythmic art form at its core. And again, remember, I'm, I already told you I'm a rhythm freak, right? So I've always sort of connected with that. Um, how I got into jazz, you know, we listened to it as a kid and I, and I liked it. I wasn't a real serious, like, this is like exactly what I want to do, you know, when I was a little kid, but I got into jam band music when I was in high school. So I started listening to the Grateful Dead and Fish and Allman Brothers and people who improvised a lot. And I was like, man, that's really cool. How they're doing all the stuff here, right? And I'd be like, you know, where did they learn it from? And the Allman Brothers mentioned Miles Davis. I was like, Miles Davis, I've heard of that guy before. Yeah, you know, I think my parents might have one of his albums. And I started listening. I was like, that's really cool. Wow, I really like this. What the heck's going on? And I'd sit down and kind of try to figure out on the piano. And um, before I went to Berkeley, I was probably like 50% rock musician and some other styles and then 50%, you know, variety of different things, a little bit of jazz. And by the time I graduated Berkeley, I was like, jazz is where it's at, you know? So um, I just, the more I learned about the style, the more I really fell in love with it and really matched my personality. Um, and, you know, from a professional standpoint, that's where my career took off, jazz and blues. And so it just sort of was like this self-fulfilling pro like prophecy, so to speak. Yeah, I love it. And do you feel like there is there are more opportunities to play, you know, in, in the jazz style. Do you feel like it's a higher end clientele? Like, do you, I mean, we're just going to go there yes, as far as music it, gig opportunities. Yeah. Okay. Um, I would not say there's more opportunities. Well, let me back up a little bit. Okay. If you're really good at whatever your style is and you got your skills together, there's always musical opportunities, you know, um, like I, you know, we all have, have a Facebook, you know, account and we're all, you know, on Facebook and, you know, if you're friends with different musicians, you know, I'm friends with a lot of different professional musicians and, you know, I, I'll see some of my musician friends, you know, kind of complain, oh, oh man, there's no gigs. They're not willing mm -hmm. to pay for this. That, and, the other. and of course, I'm not going to argue with anybody on Facebook. There's no point in doing that. But I'm like, yeah, I played four gigs this week and I got, and I got paid really well for those. I, I haven't had a shortage of gigs and years and years and years, you know, 
Um, so if you have your skills together and you're cool to get along with and you have, you have things to get, there's always musical opportunities no matter the style. Um, nowadays as well with the internet and social media and things like that, you know, you can do really sort of less commercial stuff and, and get exposure and get, um, you know, performance opportunities just in the comfort of your own home as well. So there's always, you know, the cream always rises to the top, right? Now, from a purely number standpoint, you know, jazz sells a heck of a lot less albums or has a heck of a lot less streams, right, than hip hop does. Okay, cool. So that's sort of the math of the music industry, right? Like, where's more money going toward? Is it hip hop and country? Or is it jazz? Well, you know, it's going to be hip hop and country, right? Or the most or recent rock. blend. <laughs> yeah, the blend, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been listening to some of that stuff too, right? Um, but, um, you know, so I wouldn't say that there's like, like, hey, you know what? Like, if you want to get rich in the music industry, you, you should become a jazz musician. That would, that would not necessarily be my advice. But like I said, you know, if you really get your skills together, regardless of the genre, there's tons and tons of musical opportunities. I'm, I'm living proof of that. Yeah, well, and to your point, like, you may not sell, sell a lot of as many records as, you know, your hip hop or your rap, but it is more of a live art form. And it's more enjoyable to play live and it's more enjoyable to watch live because it's like theater like you never know what you're going to get every performance is different yeah, that makes it more true. fun <laughs> yeah it's very true um you know and nowadays a lot of the the money in music and um you know it changes right just like every industry but a lot of the the less of the money in the music industry is in the actual like album sales like when i first started uh, my professional career was sort of at the tail end of like all this, you know, studio work that we had available as musicians. Um, you know, the, the generation earlier, there was a lot more, you know, money in the actual recording side of music, right? Now, a lot more of the, you know, financial opportunities are in the performance space. You know, I'm not saying people shouldn't record albums. They should, right? There, there's all kinds of, you know, pluses for that as well. But in terms of like, you know, being able to put food on your table for your your family and stuff like that, right? 99% of that's coming from me now, um, as opposed to 15 years earlier, where it was, um, you know, coming from me doing a lot of studio sessions as well. But most of it's coming now from from the actual performance aspect, live performance. Awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun. And you mentioned about improvisation, and a lot of people would find that terrifying. What are your what is your advice about that <laughs> well um yeah so the thing again it helps to sort of compare music you know something that maybe um we don't have this sort of quantifiable thing that we can grasp to like something we do have which is language right we all we all speak english if we're listening to this interview or at least you know, we, we have a native language that we speak fluently, right? So music is nothing but a language, right? And if you've ever had a conversation with somebody before where you didn't know exactly what you were going to say, right? Or if you've ever come up with a sentence by yourself at any point in your life, which is 100% of the audience listening right now, right? Well, you've improvised, right? And if you can do that in terms of speaking, you can absolutely do that in terms of your music as well. Because again, music is just a language, right? 
So that's the first thing is knowing that everybody can improvise right now. You know, how do you come up with your own ideas, right? Well, this is where it's helpful to learn, you know, hopefully maybe from the starting point, you've got a great ear and you can just naturally do it. Well, great. You know, that's a small percentage of people who can just sort of naturally do it. Right. But you know, okay, actually, hold on. I'm about to go on a diatribe here. Okay. I see some people be like, well, you, you, you either have it or you don't, you know, you're, uh, you're just born with it. Come on. Really? So, you know, again, with music being a language, right? So if a child does not learn to speak fluently by six months old, they're either genius or not. No, that's crazy, right? Like babies don't talk at six months, right? Maybe one or two words if they're really gifted or whatever, right? But, you know, you can, everybody can learn to speak, right? And so everybody can learn to improvise as well, right? So, you know, get, sitting down and understanding, you know, circling back to what we were talking about earlier in regards to like, you know, learning about some music theory concepts, learn about some scales, right? Like, hey, this is over a major chord. What are some ideas I can do over a major chord, right? Is there a scale that I can use that'll work over this whole song? Can I come up with little melodies and ideas off of that, right? Um, you know, what did my favorite singer do over a similar type of song? What were the little ideas that they used on it, right? So everybody can improvise. Um, you know, one of our best-selling programs is the Jazz Improvisation Super System. It's a whole course on improvisation, right? And we've taught thousands of people how to play and how to improvise through this particular program, right? We get testimonials daily from students who are saying, hey, I never thought I could learn how to improvise, but I did, right? It's a very learnable skill, right? And once you get the technical side of stuff, if you're not 100% natural, right, you kind of get rid of some of those little technical mysteries that seem like they're insurmountable, but they're actually very easy, right? A lot of times just sort of the world becomes your oyster once you learn some of these basics. So, you know, to answer your question, everybody can learn how to improvise. I understand getting nervous from, um, you know, the get-go, so to speak, right? But with, you know, education comes power, right? So anything is really possible with music. There really is no limitations. Well, and you brought up the timeline, you know, babies don't talk within six months and like, we don't judge them. Like, so what is a timeline where it would be achievable? I mean, we're always growing, we're always learning, but where people would begin to start to, okay, I'm comfortable. Like I know a few licks, I'm comfortable with these chord progressions. I could probably, I could maybe do a, do a half hour gig and do pretty okay. About how long would you say that might take if someone was a a fairly diligent practicer, you know, practice like a half an hour, three to four times a week. Um, how long can they, ex because I think that for some people, the timeline is, oh my gosh, like you said, if you're not born with it, it's just, it's too late for you. Like, but I think the expectation is because it's a talent, it can be perceived as a talent-based thing, even though it's a skill, we don't always consider that. It might take some time to like actually get comfortable. So what are your thoughts on how long it should take a person or how long should they try until they just give up, <laughs> basically? Because I know that that is a thought, an actual thought process that people have. Is it worth it, you know? Uh, yeah. Wow. You just opened up three things. I'm, I'm going to feel like I'm, uh, I'm like, it's like the wild, wild west. I'm about to like shoot down all the, uh, I'm the, the bad guys, right? No, this is great. This is great. I love talking about this stuff. Okay, cool. So first of all, um, ask yourself a question, not you, but like anybody listening, right? So yeah, yeah. 
um, is music fun for you? Do you love music? And probably 99% of our audience is going to say yes. And if not, I, I wonder why you'd be listening to this podcast if you don't enjoy music, right? So 99% of people are going to say yes, right? So the first thing someone wants to do is like focus on the fun and enjoyment aspect of making music and, 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 and learning, right? There's a, a, an evolutionary concept of how when we learn, we grow as people. And there's, it's sort of a, it pleasures our brain when we do that, right? And that's hardwired into us, right? And so, you know, sitting down and saying, well, listen, you know, I'm going to give up because I don't have this lick down or I don't have the song down in X amount of time, like in putting these sort of false deadlines in yourself. And I, I see people do this all the time, right? It's really, really, really silly, right? If you, if somebody sits down and they practice a little bit every day, Okay. Hopefully, you know, obviously the more you put into things, the more you're going to get out of it. That's not rocket science, right? But if they sit down and they focus on their craft and they practice smart and they've got a real good game plan and they sit down and they focus, right? And enjoy the process of learning. Anything is possible, right? So, you know, if someone's struggling with the concept of giving up from the get-go, right? I would ask them to check it back in again with their their love of music because that's how you sustain because it's not always easy right um it's not like oh well i'm i'm, I'm gonna press a button and, and suddenly i'm i'm aretha franklin you know or, or whoever whoever your favorite singer is right um it takes time to develop your craft right it takes time so um, you know, sometimes there, there are moments where you're like, man, I feel horrible today. I haven't sang a right note since, you know, the year 1983 and like, you know, nobody loves me. And you, you start going on this sort of mental trip that, you know, sometimes we all can have as musicians and why am I even doing this? Right. But those feelings are a lot of times, you know, they're common, but they're very, very, very temporary. And you just got to fight through them and stick with the process. And, and this is how you get better, right? So to circle back to your, your main question of how long does it take? You know, people ask me that over the years and I'll say, really, like, how much time do you have to practice? You mentioned the concept of like three or four days a week, 30 minutes a day. Um, that's a great starting point, right? So if somebody's starting from um, zero practice sessions, like, you know, just sit down and, and practice, develop three or four days or five days a week for 30 minutes. That's a great starting point. But if you really want to do something legitimate with music, you want to do it professionally or have, you know, really control over your art form to continue to grow. You want to really be practicing six to seven days a week. Um, so 365 days in a year, right? I probably practice, you know, 350, 355 days a year, somewhere on there, give or take five days, right? Like, I like it. It's part of, it's part of like, there's a lot of pleasure in learning and, and sitting down and practicing my craft. Right. Um, 30 minutes a day is a really good starting point, but again, more is absolutely better. Assuming you're doing it in a really smart way. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to speak truth here. You know, I would, I would probably do 28 days a month, 29, 30 days a month. Right. And, and do at least an hour, especially if, if you're really training yeah. the right way, if you really want to do something. Yeah, I love it. And I mean, for singers and piano players, it can be different because sometimes if you're not comfortable with the technique, it's just not, you know, you don't want to be singing for like five hours. But I love that. Yeah, you're you're a crazy piano player. You guys practice like eight hours a day, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, so, that is some. that's really, you know, trumpet players and singers and people who have, um, you know, you can really 
literally tire out the vocal cords. You guys have, have physical mechanisms that we don't have to deal with, right? But there's other practice that you can do as well. There's mm. musician practice, right, for singers. So yeah. you sit down and practice the piano, right? But think about it not just as a, a piano player. Think about it as a singer, right? To learn music theory, right? Um, yeah. You could do ear training, you know, practice rhythm. You know, there's all kinds of stuff that will really help you out after you've rested your vocal cords, right? Um, I had a I had a friend who I was a great jazz singer in college, and he used to practice six hours a day. Now, who can sing six hours a day, seven days a week, right? You're asking that's like vocal node city, right? You're asking for like, you know, vocal burnout really quickly. But he only sang for like an hour a day. Mm, right? Yeah. But he transcribed solos and learned solos from great jazz singers the other five hours and study music theory and, thing, and and compose right and write songs and things like that. So. Um, that's, that's a good point. I'm glad I, I'm glad you had me sort of clarify what I meant by that. Well, and yeah, to your point, I was just trying to like get another professional opinion about, you know, because a lot of people want it right now and how, how long, you know, does it take to master your craft? Well, it could be a lifetime, you know, but it could be how long before you feel decent and comfortable. Mm. Well, it might be a year and to your point, you know, you might, sit down for 30 minutes and you might, your goal might be 30 minutes, but you might find that you're really enjoying yourself. And it's just mm -hmm. like, then it goes super easy. And all of a sudden you're there for an hour. It's just, sometimes you just have to start, like yes. just do it, just sit down and do it and get in the zone. Yes. Great point. Yeah. It's, it's developing, you know, just like any new skill, it's like, okay, well, I don't normally do that. I usually watch, you know, cat videos on YouTube from two o'clock to four o'clock or, you know, <laughs> you know, watch friends, refund, you know, reruns on Netflix or whatever, whatever you do, you know, with your, with your personal time. So, okay. If, you know, now today I'm going to sit down and, and feel what's it like to practice music from two o'clock to two thirty. And you're actually gonna have to change your habit a little bit, but the more you do it more becomes reinforced and becomes this sort of thing. That's, that's just part of you. Right. Um, it ends up being something that's very therapeutic in a lot of ways. Um, you know, athletes will talk about how they're like, the 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 court or the field or whatever is their like sacred space right for for me and a lot of other musicians the the practice room is like my sacred space you know yeah yeah it's it's really it's it's this place where you you learn about yourself you know or you just get to the point where you're like why do i feel weird today i feel a little off oh i didn't practice yet i gotta yes. do that yes exactly yeah so that is so cool. Well, this has been so helpful in so many ways. It just turned into something beautiful, like crazy, totally different than, you know, what I first thought it might be. But I think it has been so helpful for the listeners. And like, where can they find you if they're interested in starting to explore the world of jazz? And you guys, like, I've been in music for a long time and I've been playing piano for a long time and I have checked out Steve's lessons and nobody explains it more simply than he does it makes so much sense and so where can we get started what or what do you feel is like the best lesson that you have for a beginner movie yeah great question first of all thank you very much for the kind words it's uh it's I, I i i do love this stuff and i and i think um you know that's the starting point from it so it's 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 really enjoyable to be able to share this stuff with, with other people um, it's fun for me, you know, and I hope, hopefully that, that comes out from, through the lessons. Um, so we have a, a lot of free videos and lessons and blog posts, right? 
So you can just go to freejazzlessons.com um, and click on the blog area. You can check out a lot of our free stuff. And that's where the name comes from. You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, you guys have, have some stuff for sale too, right? Like why, what's, what's up with the name free jazz lessons? Well, we've got over 150 free lessons that people can check out and, and yeah. get going on things, right? And different topics and things like that, right? Um, obviously, with our paid courses, we can go a lot deeper and put a ton more resources. You know, I have a team of people, like killer, amazing staff of people who help us put together our programs and our courses and things like that, right? So with our paid programs, they're, they're really, I'm very proud of them. I think I've lost half my hair putting them together, but they're like, uh, they're my babies, you know, putting, putting all these different programs together. Right. Um, and, and those are, those are more of our step-by-step programs going from A to Z with the different skills we have and things like that. Right. So we have a beginner jazz piano program, right. And it's actually called the zero to jazz piano hero program. Right. And basically what it is, it teaches you, uh, the fundamentals of jazz music theory, you know, the patterns that um, you need to know to build chords. And of course, chords are a huge part of all our different songs, right? And we show you all the different, you know, the main chords that you need to know to be able to play the style of music. And you can apply these chords to R&B songs as well. And, and you know, uh, church songs, you know, it's, Again, going back to this concept of, of through one thing, you no know, 10,000 things, right? So I'm also teaching you how to practice inside the program as well. You know, for a lot of those people say, well, shoot, you know, Steve, you mentioned having, having a plan when I sit down and practice. Well, you know, we, we have practice methods in there as well. And um, basically the goal is to teach you all the chords, the practice methods, the most important chord progressions and get you actually playing songs within 30 to 60 days. So I always recommend students start with the Zero to Jazz Piano Hero program. If they've already been playing for a while, um, they want to work on our, their improvisation, they can check out, again, I mentioned the Jazz Improvisation Super System, right? Um, we do have a one-on-one mentorship program as well, a coaching program if you want to work with us. Um, we have phenomenal coaches in this program as well. Um, and that's called the Jazz Inner Circle Program. And we, we don't just teach jazz in that program. It's, it's a personalized mentorship program. A lot, a lot of students come to us because we're, you know, that's what we're known for, our jazz. But, we, you know, we, have, we help students put together pop sets and church sets and record albums and things like that, right? Oh, so cool. For example, um, one of our coaches in that program, you know, I mentioned Aretha Franklin earlier, Tim Gant. Um, Tim was, you know, Tim recorded on Aretha's last album and, um, he, <laughs> Backstreet Boys and just, you know, platinum selling artists. So we, we have really high level coaches in there as well. Actually to circle back to early, remember we were talking about like, well, how, how does someone find a teachable? Those, those are my prerequisites among many others, which when we were hiring our, our coaches for that program as well. We wanted to make sure that our students had the ability to work with the best of the best. All right. So go to free jazz lessons. You can click on the, um, the resources of the products page or the blog area and just dive in, have some fun. And yeah, I would uh, love to connect with any of your audience members. Yeah. And that's awesome. And I totally agree. I mean, if you're serious about this, you know, you can, you can dabble around and just, you know, see if you love it. Fits if you're into it, but if you're serious about anything and you want to build a skill, like you, you need a, a course or or a mentor. Like, don't do it alone. Don't do it alone, and don't make money an excuse. Oh, 
I hate that. Like, you're going to pay for stuff in your life with your time and your money. And which resource, like, money is renewable. You can always get more money. And I'm just, please don't let that have be be an excuse ever for something that you love. Like, ugh. I could just rant all day. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with the you. The YouTube I, yeah. tip collectors. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It's like, they're, uh, they're like, yeah, you know, I don't want, I don't want to even, you know, I, I'm, I pay, I'm like, as I already mentioned earlier, I pay for like education, you know, like yeah. I'm not a, I'm a musician, right. And a teacher and a communicator and a performer, right. I definitely was not a web designer or a coder, I didn't learn how to run business, you know, like I didn't go to school for any of that stuff, but I, I didn't, you know, I'm not Steven Spielberg, but yet I have, um, you know, thousands of videos and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of content out there. Right. So I had to learn how to do this stuff. So I, I could have watched YouTube videos until I was 97 years old and maybe put something together. I could just pay people who are amazing at, at what they do and, and save me years and years and years and years of time. It's, you know, yeah. every, um, every time I've paid for my education, it's paid off a thousandfold. Yeah. And you know, everyone has a special skill that they do, you know, and that's what you do and that's what you're good at. But for everything that you're trying to develop, you know, have a mentor and just, it's also going to help you to keep going too, because the mindset is so important if you're paying for something and if you know that you have to show up and you're like, Oh God, like Steve is going to see me, you know, this week, <laughs> like I better have done something, you know, then it's, then it's kind of like, you know, that helps too, because if it's just you, you can push it off. And pretty soon. Yeah. You're 97 watching YouTube videos and you can't play piano or sing. And <laughs> right. But you have watched a lot of cat videos and, and, uh, yep. done, and done nothing with your life, but you know, yep. Hey, Oh, well. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for being here. And I'm so excited to hear the feedback from this episode because there were just a lot of really giant ideas. So thank you so much for being here. Truly my pleasure. Thanks for having me. See y'all again soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Star Singer podcast. If you are loving this podcast, if you are loving this content, you want to keep getting more amazing episodes just like this, I would absolutely love it if you could take one minute out of your really busy day and leave a rating and review on iTunes. It really helps with our rankings and it's going to allow other singers to be able to find us and join you in your journey to singing better, giving your best performances, and giving amazing auditions. I would so appreciate an awesome rating and review. We're going for five stars here. So thank you so much.